Hello and welcome to the Business Standard Morning Show. I'm Binu Santhu. It's the 19th of February 2024 and here are the questions we will be answering today. Can Reliance do a geo in media? Why are your flights getting delayed or cancelled? Is the market recovery sustainable? And what is Australia's right to disconnect bill? Top executives of Reliance Industries and Walt Disney have been in a huddle for a while now. Contours of a big deal are being thrashed out and all eyes are now on the final outcome. If all goes as reported, we will see a merger between Reliance Media Business and Walt Disney's India Business, giving birth to the country's largest media and entertainment business. The conglomerate would also acquire Disney's entire 30% stake in satellite TV provider Tata Play. But can Reliance replicate the success of Jio in the media industry as well? Ayush Mishra finds out. Mukesh Ambani led Reliance Industries is reportedly in talks to purchase 29.8% stake in Tata Play from Walt Disney. The move aligns with RIL's goal to enhance its position in India's TV distribution sector. Tata Sons currently owns 50.2% of television broadcaster Tata Play. The successful negotiations could mark the first collaboration between Tata and Ambani's, potentially boosting Geo Cinema's presence on Tata Play. A recent Wall Street Journal report states that Walt Disney Company has reached a preliminary agreement to sell 60% of its linear TV content and OTT business in India to Reliance. The deal is valued at $3.9 billion and is expected to be announced upon the completion of legal due diligence. These potential deals, if realized, would create one of India's largest media conglomerates bringing together a vast network of television channels, streaming platforms and production capabilities. Reliance and Disney merger could lead to further consolidation of both television and OTT sectors after failed Z and Sony merger. Does this mean Reliance could append and disrupt the media market in India? Yes, of course, I think Reliance, uh, two things, you know, whatever they've been doing, if at all, both these things come true. Uh, Tata Play and Disney, the, they could definitely disrupt the market. First thing, uh, you know, the, the Disney deal, right? So if you look at RL and Disney, both these companies put together, uh, they have an ad market share of potentially more than 45% on the linear TV side. And on the OTT digital side, uh, they have a market share of about 35 to 40%. So they have a very strong cloud. You could move to a monopolistic approach uh, if this deal happens. Uh, and, you know, with Z Sony deal kind of getting called off, there's no such large competitor of their size who is uh, you know going to compete with them. So definitely they have an edge here, right from synergies to bargaining power to you know digital business probably moving towards a break-even or a profitability. So uh, there is going to be a strong uh, you know strategic entity which is going to be formed here. Plus they have the advantage of distribution, right? So Geo, as we know, has got about more than 40 million smartphone users, and that's uh, that's the last mile support which they have. Uh, secondly, I think uh, they already have got companies like Hathaway and then under their kitty, Reliance, uh, with the acquisition of Tata Play. If at all this goes through, it will be a it will be a value proposition from them because DTH is one segment within the linear distribution space which is not losing. In terms of market share, Tata Play has 32.43% for the quarter, 
Bharti Telemedia's Airtel DTH market share was 27.01%. Dish TV had 21.54% market share in Q2 FY23 and Sun TV Direct had 19.02% market share. Currently, Disney Star operates over 70 TV channels in 8 languages, alongside the Disney Plus Hotstar OTT platform and a film studio. Reliance's broadcast division, Viacom 18, owns 38 TV channels in 8 languages, Geo Cinema streaming platform and Viacom 18 studios. Disney Star commands a 32% share in the ad market, while Viacom 18 holds 11%. The combined entity is set to capture 43% share of the ad market with over 100 TV channels, two streaming platforms and two film studios. In FI23, Disney Star reported operating revenue of 19,857 crore rupees, whereas Viacom 18's operating revenue was 4,554 crore rupees. If all the streaming brands this duo owns, Woot, Geo Cinema, and Disney Plus Hotstar, are merged, the resulting streaming service will attract 316 million unique visitors. That is close to the India reach of the world's largest streaming app, Google's YouTube. Because if you want to compete with Google, Meta, Amazon, Apple, and remember these are global companies, it is not that they are American companies and we have nothing to them, do with them in India. They're everywhere in the world and they dominate digital market because they dominate digital audiences. So if you want to deal with them, then you need to have scale and size. And that is why Disney and uh, Reliance probably feel the need to get together. That is why Sony and Z got together. That is why Paramount is thinking of uh, selling. Uh, Disney, uh, Warner Brothers and Discovery merged globally. So across the world, you see a wave of mergers and acquisitions is happening simply because, you know, all these companies are more than $150, $200 billion dollars. You, the whole entire Indian media and entertainment industry is $25 billion. So you need scale to fight these companies. Fight, not fight necessarily, but to compete also. Last year, Reliance made a significant impact in the streaming industry by free live streaming Indian Premier League matches on its OTT platform, Geo Cinema. This move not only posed a challenge to established players, but also underscored Reliance's commitment to extend its footprint in the digital space. The recent investments by Reliance in Tata Play and Disney suggest a potential dominance in both TV and OTT, possibly limiting negotiating space for advertisers. The potential entity that might come out of the Disney-Reliance deal will become the biggest player in the Indian broadcasting sector boasting a consolidated revenue of around 25,000 crore rupees and a 43% share of the TV advertising market. So what does this mean for advertisers and consumers? It also worries me because it means smaller and medium scale companies will have a tougher and tougher and tougher time with falling margins and probably, so it's going to be a tough time for not just for smaller media companies, but also for advertisers. Because if four or five companies control um, eyeballs, then your ability, India has been a buyer's market so far, media main. Now it will become a seller's market. Reliance's stake in Tata Play and potential collaboration with Walt Disney could form a formidable media conglomerate in India, 
disrupting the TV and OTT landscapes. This presents challenges for advertisers and hints at a shift from a buyer's to a seller's market, potentially affecting smaller enterprises. Industry observers anticipate that Reliance could replicate its telecom success with Geo in the media sector. Clearly, the Indian media and entertainment landscape is seeing quite a lot of churn. Let us now turn our gaze towards the skies where turbulence is brewing for Indian airlines. The season of fog is long gone but passengers are still facing flight delays. But why is that so? Shivam Tyagi finds out. The Adani Group run Mumbai International Airport is in the crosshairs. Indian air carriers are cancelling 30 daily flights to Mumbai Airport till March 30th, following the directions of the Airport Authority of India. Recent delays and cancellations prompted this move. With Mumbai Airport handling roughly 1,000 flights daily, approximately 3% will be impacted by the new measures. The Airport Authority of India, which operates under the Ministry of Civil Aviation, has held Mumbai Airport liable for not managing the air traffic movements effectively. It has asked the airport to reduce flights due to runway congestion, resulting in flight delays. Presently, Mumbai Airport has only one operational runway. The aviation regulator said the congestion was triggered by excessive slot distribution with limited time margins non-adherence of slots by airlines and unscheduled operations during peak hours. Following the directions of the Indian Aviation Regulator, Akasa Air has cancelled four daily flights between Mumbai and Bangalore from February 15 to March 30th. The airline is providing options for refund and rebooking to its passengers. Other airlines are also planning to cut their flights. SpiceJet has confirmed the same without specifying the number of flights. Aviation pro Shakti Lumba analyzes the reason behind the delays. That is one crucial issue is shortage of rated air traffic controllers, which is causing uh, cancellation of flights because the existing people cannot cope with the workload. That's one aspect. The second aspect is the country lacks a slot management system. We have a slot allocation system. Industry voices say airlines file their summer and winter flight schedules with multiple airport authorities well in advance. But changes in slot allocation take place on the ground, leading to congestion. Since there's no slot management, there is total chaos in the system. Especially uh, when morning, evening flights, when all the Flights are clustered together within five, five minutes of each other. And all arrival departures are fudged on paper. Well, the flight will leave whenever he can leave. That, so this dishonesty has to stop. And, and they have to be more, there should be more transparency in the system. It's, it's a very opaque system. According to a survey by social media community platform Local Circles, 69% of Air India and Vistara passengers 
and 59% of SpiceJet passengers reported flight delays. Passengers at airports like Delhi, Lucknow and Khorikod were stranded with many citing a lack of prior cancellation notice. This raises questions about potential capacity issues at Indian airports. You need more runway capacity. In Bombay, Santa Cruz, there's no place to make another runway. That's when Navi, Navi Mumbai is coming up. Although Delhi has four runways, they, out of which three can be used concurrently, they only use one. Why? Because there's an air traffic controller problem. But uh, Javan is coming up. So then the long-term solution is train more than you require air traffic controllers. According to the data from analytics firm Cerium, Akasa Air and SpiceJet operate 54 and 34 flights per day to and from Mumbai. Further, Air India and Indigo operate around 370 flights and 163 flights every day, respectively, from the airport. This makes Mumbai the busiest airport in India. Will the cancellation of numerous flights under March 30th lead to an increase in airfare? A natural consequence, I would say, that once you cut down capacity at very short notice, it leads to rise in fares. So passengers will be impacted. But what the government should do, Ministry of Civil Aviation should do, that you don't allow airlines to reap the benefit of a crisis situation. Do not allow them to raise fares beyond a certain point. You have the average for the previous week, the previous fortnight. Bring them on board and tell them, look, the capacity shortage is being created because of a certain constraint. Now, you can't reap a windfall on account of it because the passengers would be clamoring for the seats. As it is, most airlines have been clocking 90% plus load factor. So, what could be the long-term solutions to overcome flight delays and cancellations at Indian airports? The short-term solution first. If airlines can be persuaded to deploy their largest capacity aircraft on key sectors so that the number of arrivals and departures go down. If one aircraft can carry, say, 140% of a smaller aircraft number of passengers, why not deploy that for the time being? But the long term is only one commissioning of the Navi Mumbai airport at the earliest. The struggling Indian aviation industry needs structural reforms. And industry insiders suggest that the effort should start with training more rated air traffic controllers. Additionally, given the rise in air travel, the construction of new airports and runways also remains crucial. Meanwhile, the Lal Street saw a tug of war between the bulls and the bears last week. Eventually, the bulls had their way as the market ended with weekly gains. Will this recovery be sustainable or is there more pain ahead? Rex Kano has more on what's in store for the week ahead. Indian equity markets ended with gains last week after overcoming initial volatility, the BSE Sensex ended 1.16% higher at 72,427. And its counterpart, NSE Nifty 50 index, gained 1.19%. Among the broader indices, 
the BSE mid-cap index settled with a weekly gain of 0.91%, while the small-cap index ended on a flat note. Going ahead, will the market be able to sustain the recovery? Analysts recommend one should wait for a directional move on the index. Till such time, these are the key levels that one needs to watch out for. So we have gone through some time-wise corrective phase. 21,500 remains a very crucial support for the markets and on the high side 22,127 which was the recent swing high is the resistance to watch out for. So directional move in the index would be seen only when we either see a breakout on the either side in the nifty or if we see any kind of short covering data coming in from the FIS front. One of the key reasons for the recent volatility in the market has been sustained selling by foreign investors. FNO data suggests that FIIs hold significant short positions in index futures. FIIs have started this series with heavy short positions. They covered some of the shorts during the first week of the February, but still they have around 64% of the positions on the short side in the index futures segment. In last three or four trading sessions, we have neither seen any short covering nor fresh long built up. So the data remains status quo with more of short positions in the system. In general, an upside breakout followed by short covering tends to trigger a sharp rally in the market. Meanwhile, at the Asia-Pacific regional level, global fund managers remain bullish on India. According to a recent Bank of America Asia Fund Manager Survey, 19% out of the 249 panelists with assets under management worth $656 billion remained bullish on India. The survey shows that Japan is the most preferred country for investors, followed by India and Taiwan. Meanwhile, China remains at the bottom of the chart. In the week ahead, global queues will continue to guide the market sentiment. Among key events, the minutes of the recent RBI Monetary Policy Committee and the US Form C meetings to be released on Thursday will be on investors' radar. In the primary market, Juniper Hotels, which runs the Hayat brand of hotels, will go public on Wednesday, February 21st. He's making plans for an early retirement. Business Standard Money, whether earned from stocks or after a hard day's work in the office, keeps us going. What drags us down though are calls and emails beyond working hours when we are with family or friends. Australia has now come out with a bill that will put in place a right to disconnect. Vasudha Mukherjee has more on this concept. The concept of the right to disconnect stems from the recognition that modern technology blurs the boundaries between work and personal life. Those working remotely know it better. Work-related communications often extend beyond their office hours, and the result is stress and burnout among workers. Australia has now come out with a bill in its bid to fix the problem. The proposed legislation is part of the Fair Work Legislation Amendment Bill 2023. Under the bill, employees have the right to refuse to engage with employer communications outside of the designated working hours unless deemed unreasonable. The bill reads an employee may refuse to monitor, read or respond to contact or attempted contact 
from an employer outside of the employee's working hours unless the refusal is unreasonable. The term unreasonable encompasses various factors, including compensation for overtime work, the purpose of the contact and its impact on the employee's well-being. While acknowledging the need for occasional after-hours communication, the legislation's purpose is to prevent the exploitation of workers who are only paid for their designated work hours. In case of disputes regarding unreasonable contact, workers should try to resolve the situation initially through workplace discussions. If unresolved, the matter can be escalated to the Fair Work Commission with potential fines for non-compliance. However, the legislation does not interfere with situations requiring on-call duties or emergency response. But the industry, it seems, isn't happy there. A joint statement from the CEOs of Australia's chambers urged the Senate to reconsider the bill, arguing that it would harm growing businesses. While acknowledging existing legal protections against working unreasonable additional hours outside of work, the statement highlighted the flexibility modern technology provides to the workforce. They added that such legislatures could hinder business operations and discourage flexible work arrangements, particularly for women with family responsibilities. Concerns also arise regarding the potential for discrimination against employees advocating for their right to disconnect. France pioneered the right to disconnect legislation in 2017 requiring companies to establish guidelines for after-hours communication. Ireland and Luxembourg have also enforced similar legislations. In India, the Right to Disconnect Bill of 2018 was drafted by Baramati MP Supriya Sule, which aimed to empower employees to negotiate terms for out-of-work communications. However, this has yet to gain traction in legislative discussions. Trusted Bank, SBI, the banker to every Indian. While tabling the bill, Prime Minister Anthony Albanese said that someone who is not paid 24 hours a day shouldn't be penalised if they are not online and available 24 hours a day. Well, that's all for today. For more news and analysis, please log to our website, business-standard.com. Thank you for watching. For more news, views and updates, subscribe to Business Standard on Google Podcast, Apple Podcast and Spotify. Also follow us on YouTube, Vimeo, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook and LinkedIn.